Hello and welcome to series three and episode eight of the Poolside Pass podcast. On today's episode, we're not going to be speaking about those traditional co- coaching topics uh, that we've spoken about previously in the series with the likes of Eddie Reese, Terry McKeever, etc. Um, instead, we're going to be speaking about mental health in sport, how we as coaches can help athletes uh, support their mental health, but also how we can look after ourselves and stop ourselves falling down that slippery slope uh, to, towards poor mental health. I'm delighted today to be joined by Sophie Dodd, uh, the founder and CEO of Mental Health in Sport. And she's going to be talking to us about her experiences with mental health in sport, but also uh, a few practical tips and resources uh, for us coaches to help us to help us on, on our journey. Okay, so I think it's about time I introduce Sophie to the podcast. Sophie, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I think it's a topic that um, is super important um, now more than ever, I guess, in terms mm. of uh, being in the, in the middle of a, of a pandemic. Why don't we just start um, kind of away from topic almost a little bit, um, get your kind of background within within sport and how you got into um, starting up your your company in, in mental health and sport? Yeah, so um, I'm a swimmer. Um, I still swim. Um, and yeah, as a kid, I just took to swimming over other sports. I um, wasn't a fan of running. Um, wasn't a fan of like gymnastics. I was very much swimming as my my sport. Um, so I think growing up, it was amazing to kind of work my way up through the sport. Um, and I learned a lot. I met a lot of a lot of people through it. Um, and it was just an incredible journey. Um, and I started out in a smaller club and then I moved to a slightly bigger club. Um, but that move meant that I had to drive uh, quite a distance. It was like 50, 45 minutes to training um, every day, which obviously took its toll more so on my parents than me because yeah. I could have a little snooze. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing I wouldn't change that move um, because I learned so much from it. Um, And I think that around about that time, you know, you start having like exams, you start like having to actually think about what you want to do in your life. Um, And I started to, my identity was very much in swimming. Um, And at the time um, I had a coach who was very much for pushing me. Um, and I think that they, the way that they went around it didn't necessarily help me. I don't think they went out of their way to like make me feel rubbish about myself, but, um, yeah, I definitely think that it would be really interesting to see how I would be now with that coach. Um, but I think that that coaching clash kind of in personalities led to a lot of, um, struggles with performance anxiety and obviously my, um, racing, um and so yeah every time I was I was always the hardest worker in the pool um and that's never really changed um but when it came to racing I just kind of fell apart um and I started to really put a lot of pressure on myself and I think a lot of athletes are probably the same like they put a lot of a lot of pressure on themselves um and I started to really really struggle with performance anxiety Um, And around about the time that I started to do GCSEs um, and A-levels, I started to actually get really anxious about exams as well. Um, Because my approach to schoolwork was very much similar to training, like 
um, I saw revision as training for the race. So the exam was like the race. Um, So I think that a lot of the performance anxiety that I had in the pool kind of dripped into that. Um, And then I eventually started struggling more and more. It kind of dripped into just daily life. Um, And I started to really struggle with panic attacks and um, just general anxiety. Everything I did, I was so worried about different outcomes that are just so irrational. Um, And then I started to work with a performance psychologist um, to help me with those problems. Um, And then as I was working with that performance psychologist, that anxiety got lesser and lesser. Um, less is not a word but we're going with it Um, and then (laughs) um, but those problems started to get like diminished Um, and then I realized that I'd been left with depression so I think that a lot of the facts that I put my identity in sport led to me kind of thinking that if I didn't swim a PB or if I didn't swim a good race then it was a reflection of me as a person which is totally ridiculous but so many athletes go through it um and so I really was left with a lot of depression um and so yeah I've had I then had a new coach um and he encouraged me to kind of work like around that um because he just saw that there was no way I was going to be able to swim well if like I just wasn't well in myself um and so yeah it's been a bit of a whirlwind since then I'm now so I went on antidepressants when I was 16 or 17 um, and I'm now off antidepressants um but I think that that new coach that I got um the the way that coaches have to like they're always there for their athletes like always they're always like available um and there's no space for a coach to like have their own time um and I just think that so through obviously my different coaching experiences um with other coaches I think that it's definitely made me realize how like little training that coaches get um and so I wanted to kind of tying that into the, the company that I run now um Uh, from those struggles I very much wanted to change the world of swimming um, because I seen that my coaches had to help me with no training Um, and that must have been very daunting from a coach's point of view you know if you've got a swimmer coming to you and basically saying I don't want to live anymore like that must be so hard yeah Um, and especially with no training or no understanding and this particular coach it was his first coaching role um And I think he definitely said the right things, but it could so easily have gone the opposite way, you know? Yeah. Um, And my heart just goes out to so many coaches who are having to help their athletes and now more than ever with the pandemic. Um, So I think I wanted to change the world of swimming for good. Um, But then obviously I moved to university and I, I study at University of Sterling so there's so many different sports people that I meet on a day-to-day basis well usually meet when I'm actually in person Um, because I'll just talk to anyone like that's my problem I just talk to anyone Um, and I started to realize that it wasn't just a swimming problem it was other sports that have that problem Mm -hmm. um, with that stigma so that's when mental health in sport kind of started it's a really original name (laughs) um but um it does what it says on the tin right yeah exactly (laughs) like you're not buying a tin of beans and getting I don't know 
tomato ketchup um I don't know where I went with that but um yeah like I think that because I started talking to more and more athletes I realized that it wasn't just swimming that had that problem and so I started with a YouTube campaign it wasn't meant to be a company to begin with it was just it was just supposed to be a YouTube campaign um and those YouTube videos are still on there and you can get them through the website but um I kind of just wanted to sit athletes down and discuss mental health the good and the bad um so there's athletes who spoke about how sport had changed their mental health for the better and then there was also athletes who spoke about how like they'd struggled um as a result of sport and I think that it was important to have the two sides but yeah it just kind of grew and then without even realizing um I was looking into whether or not to turn it into a charity um and then I ended up going down the community interest company line which um is just a little bit easier in terms of like the legal side of things um so it it basically is a charity but it's just got that company label um and yeah that's how it kind of grew and kind of snowballed I guess (laughs) So yeah, that's a that's a really kind of nice story and a, a really I say nice story, obviously it wasn't nice for you, nice for you when when you were going through that, but you can really see the pathway there from how your experiences and how that shaped, you know, what what you're doing now. You know, in in your work with with, with your company, what would you say are the the common mental health issues that that we see w- within within sport? I think that sport is just a very pressurized environment and I don't think you could ever change that because that's what makes sport so amazing um but it's learning how to adapt with that and I don't think there's any one specific mental health issue or illness that is the most common because I think it fluctuates from sport to sport as well so for example gymnasts there might be more common um it might be more common to find eating disorders in a gymnastic environment just because there is so much emphasis on weight. Um, But I think that generally the, the anxiety and um, the identity crisis, I guess, very quickly manifests itself in a sporting environment if it's not looked into Mm -hmm. from an early age. Um, And I think that that's the most important thing to kind of look at really. And I think that it's, it kind of baffles me how common mental illness and mental ill health is in sport. Um, There was a 2018 study that basically, I think it was something like 50% of athletes showed signs of mental illness, um, which is just crazy. Um, And my first instinct was like, that's a lot. But then once I pondered it, I was like, actually, that that doesn't surprise me because of how pressurized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I yeah it just it really isn't like surprising I guess because of the way that sport is I guess I guess when you think about it right you said you know there is there is pressure in sport whether it's external pressure whether it's internal pressure you know athletes put on themselves when when you put yourself or when you put under uh levels of of stress like that if there is anything you know if you are predisposed to to showing you know certain things you know when you when you put under pressure you're creating a perfect environment for it to, to come to the fore. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think that like there's so many athletes now that are coming out about mental illness. And I think that's great, but 
a lot of them tend to be after they've retired, which to me still suggests a big stigma. Um, for example, the best example I can think in the swimming world is Michael Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously opened up, but it was after, like, obviously I'm not bashing the fact that he opened up because I know how hard that is. Um, and I think that it was amazing for the, for the sporting world, but also for the mental health kind of stigma. But I think that it's very common to open up about it afterwards. Mm. Um, and it does make you wonder, would that be the same if it was like a physical injury? You know, when he had the heart palpitations, that was straight in swim swam so quickly after it happened. Um, yeah. And it does just make you think like, is there still that stigma just because it is always after they've retired? I think um, there's definitely still a, a stigma around it, right? Because it's still seen, I think, as, you know, a sign of, of weakness i guess mm. um and especially especially in men and when you're when you're trying to trying to be training you know when you're trying to put on this image of you you know you're a strong athlete mm. you know there's still a lot of stigma attached to well how can you be an athlete performing at a top level and have and and have this these, these problems that, that you're dealing with as well it doesn't there is a lot of stigma around that yeah that's something that you know, as a as a community within sport, is something I think we need to deal with. One hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree with you on that one. Um, yeah, I guess it's really sad. I think it is getting better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say like it's awful, but I think that it definitely still needs a lot of work. <laughs> you, we we you touched on it earlier in in your intro. You know, we said just now as well, mental health awareness is improving and it has really improved a lot in the last few years you know five mm. ten years ago we wouldn't be having this kind of discussion no yeah um so it's you know it showed the progress is is that we're having these kind of discussions now and that you know people are going to listen listen to this and perhaps have further discussions after that but how important is it that coaches are trained to spot signs of you know mental illness within people that they work with um oh. maybe not just athletes they work with but other coaches that they work with as well how important is that for for coaches it's it's so important because if you're not physically and mentally well how are you expecting an athlete to swim well or how are you expecting a coach to perform well and give their athlete what they should be and can be delivering Mm. um and I think that this is one of my biggest things that I think needs to change is the way that people are trained around mental health in sport and I think that obviously I mean every coach goes through level one level two level three whatever um and it's different in different sports they have different like ways of calling it but I think in if you're looking at a swimming context level one you don't cover anything to do with mental health level two there is a little bit maybe a little bit of sports psychology not a lot Level three is only really when you start to like look into sports psychology and obviously coaches aren't going to be sports psychologists, but it's still having that ownership of like being able to recognize those, um, recognizing those tendencies in an athlete. Like if someone's having a bad day, just ask them if they're all right. And I think that one of the podcasts, maybe it was Ben, Ben Higson, um, he actually said about that. And I think that sorry I just did a plug for you there (laughs) um but I actually used to I used to swim with Ben uh not with him he was my coach because I'm from I used to train at Dumfries um 
And I think that that's one of the things that coaches just need to do more of, like just ask people how, and I think that swimmers or people in general are very good at being like, yeah, I'm fine. Like it's, it's just become a passing thing now. It's like, Oh, you're right. Kind of thing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, fine. How are you? Kind of thing. But you don't actually stop to think actually, how am I or how are you? Um, And I think it's just developing that sort of community as well um, in a club. Also as well, I think, you know, you just said that no one really stops to think actually how, how Mm. are, how are they? I think as well, if you, if you've got something good or if you're not having a particularly great day and someone says how you're doing, you know, they're expecting someone to say, oh yeah, I'm fine. That's the Mm. the societal norm for how that conversation goes. Definitely, You're standing there thinking, well, you don't really want to hear about how bad my day's been. So I'll just tell you Mm. it's been okay. And that's Mm. kind of how it it goes round and round then from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with you as well. And I think that, you know, it's not just a swimming world problem, but I think that if you look at a small community and try and change that, then it's easier to change than a massive problem. Um, And why can't swimming be the first community to like actually change that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, I agree with what you were saying a minute ago with in coach education, there should, there should be, you should be required to do certain like almost like little modules on mm. mental health first aid. So how can you, you know, support better mental health within the people that, that you're working with? I think that would be yeah. a positive addition to yeah. qualification. I think also if you look at a swimming context as well, like swimming, most coaches have some sort of an awareness of lifeguarding skills um or physical first aid skills but how many of them would actually know how to combat in terms of a mental health first aid role um and I think that that's one of my biggest goals is to have like as many coaches as possible trained in either mental health first aid like have the accreditation or in like a just a general knowledge because the mental health first aid course is amazing but it doesn't put it into a context in terms of swimming so then you have to think about that you know um so I think just even just one hour of your day like looking into how can I actually maybe prevent suicide or how can I look at the signs of suicide or um self-harm like self-harm in sport is so misunderstood because like it's kind of bred into sport you know like the way that you push yourself and push yourself to that point um and I know that I used to push myself in training so much that I'd throw up. Um, and then it's finding that balance, you know, of is that normal? Should that actually be happening? Probably not. Um, it's finding that balance below that. So I think that, yeah, I definitely think coaches need more training than what they're getting. I think you raised a really good point there is that, you know, a lot of coaches and for a lot of coaching jobs, it's, it's a requirement that they have either a rescue award or a lifeguard mm. qualification as well in case they need to save someone's life at training. And yeah. when you look at mental health and the mental health first aid, again, that can be life-saving stuff in itself because if you prevent, go on to prevent someone from you know, committing suicide, you've essentially helped save, save yeah. their life. So it's, maybe it's, we're not holding that in as much importance because a lot of mental health is invisible, right? Mm. yeah I think also in terms of a preventative measure like sometimes I would go into training and my coach would like see that I wasn't right um 
mentally that I was a bit vacant um and he'd like pull me to the side and we'd sit and chat and I got so much more out of that than if I'd have actually done the session um and I think sometimes there is so much attention put on performance that is kind of the well-being is a bit lost you know like swimming is only a small part of your life um unless you are probably like me and will probably just keep going um and just end up joining masters and stuff but like swimming is only a segment of your life and who you are and I think that that's definitely lost um in translation I guess I think I saw I saw a clip on uh, a little video clip on on Twitter the other day and it was it was actually quite quite apt to this conversation is when we're coaching we've got to remember we're dealing with people who play our sport or who swim Mm. we're not just dealing with a swimmer we're dealing with people who happen to be good at swimming yeah yeah yeah. you've got to always look after the person as well right yeah definitely 100 percent. so what what training or resources are there available right now for to help coaches with this kind of stuff because we've we've said about how important it is that you know coaches build awareness or train and get get skills to help with it what training or resources are are available for, for coaches to do that So there's always mental health first aid training in Scotland. It's Scotland's mental health first aid training. And in England, I think it's just mental health first aid training. Um, And that is probably the easiest thing to just go to. Um, But there's always other ways of getting understanding and awareness. Um, Even just an hour seminar, um, like through my company, I deliver seminars, um, sharing my experience, sharing my bits of knowledge, Um, and I'm not I'm not a psychologist in any way I'm just sharing my um, experiences and I think sometimes you can learn a lot from having someone with experiences and I think sometimes it's great to know the practical sides of things but when unless you can't if you can't put it into a situation then you like it's pointless it's like knowing how to bake a cake and actually being able to bake a cake Um, And I think a lot of people have been learning how to bake cakes in lockdown. But um, but yeah, I think that I would always say mental health first aid training is like amazing. Um, And it can be quite difficult to actually get on those courses. And this is my biggest um, thing that I definitely want to to change is the fact that a coach shouldn't have to do their own looking around for a mental health first aid course or for mental health training. Um, and it should almost just be offered to them, you know, like British swimming offer so many CPD opportunities to their coaches. Um, why can't mental health? And I'm sure that they probably do little bits and bobs, but to me, it's probably just a tick box kind of job. When I think about all the things that I have to, to do, cause I'm I'm a swimming coach, all the things I have to, all the certificates I have to have to enable me to do my job. I have to get, you know, I have to get a DBS and I have to do the safeguarding and children course. And they need to be renewed every every few years. Mm. Why is it that we're not requiring people to have mental health first aid training to be able yeah. to do the job? I think it's, it's exactly that people need to look into. Yeah, I yeah, you just totally just summed it up in one. <laughs> but it's so true. Like it 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 shouldn't be on the coach to have to look out for a mental health first aid course or like try and find where to get one um it should just be like here's an opportunity if you want to take it then take it or it should actually probably be required um 
because I think that a lot of the times that mental illness is crossed with mental health um, and like you don't cross physical illness with physical health like everybody has physical health bad days sometimes you wake up with a sniffle and sometimes you don't Um, whereas like it's the same with mental health mental health is totally different to mental illness mental illness is a side effect of poor mental health right um and i think that it's so important that coaches can understand that um and i don't think that they actually have the have been given the 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 tools in the tube toolbox to actually be able to know that i think it's it's important to remember that like everyone has mental health like Mm. you said everyone has mental health sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad not everyone has a mental illness right yeah i think that's that's a really important point to 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 hit home with coaches yeah 100 percent. so on the on the flip side you know it's not just athletes i guess that can suffer from from poor mental health that then might lead to, to to mental illness you know there's there's plenty of coaches that have, that have suffered with um, poor mental health. What is it that coaches should look out for in themselves that might signal that they're on a, a slippery slope to leading to, to poor mental health? And I'm thinking, you know, things typically as, as a coach that the micro up things like, you know, the like the stress of of it, you know, not being able to switch off, all that kind of stuff. What mm. what should we be looking out for as, as coaches within ourselves? so that we don't end up end up on that slippery slope yeah for sure and I think that the the, that you've just hit the nail on the head there that you know like you should be like checking in on yourself daily how do I feel today is like the easiest question to ask yourself and if it's a bit rubbish today then that's okay um but I think that the major things to look out for are just a change in mood and like you'll know if you're just feeling a little bit like cloudy today or if the sun's shining in your head like that's just just the easiest way that I like to like word it um but in terms of more direct things that I would look out for would be mood changes I feel like that's such an obvious one but we forget it all the time um but not just like in terms of mood in terms of the way that you approach situations if you have like a meeting and you're just like I can't be bothered um sometimes you might just be overtired like don't get me wrong I'm not saying that if you just can't be bothered then like you might like be on a slippery slope to mental illness but um yeah like if you are like withdrawing from situations if you're finding it a chore to speak to people um if your appetite's changing um in any way um sleep changes are another easy easy one to notice um and I think that so many people have apple watches now that they register them and if you like if you i know for a fact that if i get less than nine hours sleep then i'm just a miserable person to be around um oh yeah (laughs) nine hours i have to have a solid maybe eight and a half i could push it but see if it's under eight and a half hours like you just don't want to be around me um but then sometimes there's reasons for like struggling to sleep um And I think that it's just so important about just like being aware. And I think that coaches, um, I think for a coach, it's probably even harder for a swimmer than a swimmer because a swimmer can go home from the pool, whereas a coach is always getting messages from their athletes um, or always having to plan a session. Um, And yeah, I think that 
as athletes, <laughs> we actually forget that coaches are people too. Um, and to any athlete listening in, just ask your coach how they are. Like throughout this lockdown, I've constantly been messaging my coach being like, how are you? Um, because it shouldn't be on him to message me all the time. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, it, it should be put across because it's, it's so easy to forget that people are people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that just in terms of the warning signs is just general disconnectedness. And obviously now more than ever, like it's easy to get disconnected. It's easy to get yeah. distracted. Um, it's easy to isolate yourself. So I think that, yeah, those are the general warning signs, but it's different for everyone, you know, like some people might struggle with food. Some people might not, some people might not be able to sleep at night and then some people might be like dead to the world. Um, so I think it's learning about your own warning signs that you're, you maybe need a, a day off or you may maybe need a bit of a, a, a day to yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of coaches and being able to, you, you kind of touched on it there. What are some of the, the easy to implement practical steps or practical tips for coaches to help them manage their mental health? And I think you just touched on it a little bit there, but are there any kind of real key things that we can, we can do as coaches to help us keep those bad days at bay? I think that there's so many different daily habits that you can actually implement that actually benefit your mental health. I think for me, I would say write a gratitude list at the end of the day or even in the morning. Like when you wake up, what are you grateful for? Like just name three things. Um, and the more that you do that, the more you train your brain to actually be like, oh, actually, I'm quite grateful for like my safety or my health right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's just so important to actually value yourself as a person, not as a coach or a swimmer or a runner or whatever, like just value yourself for you. Um, and like, there's so many people that speak the way that they speak to themselves is, and, and they would never speak to them to a friend that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's just the way that you treat yourself. If you need a day off, then have a day off and go for a hill walk or go walk your dog or go sit in front of the TV if that's your thing. Like, I think that we we live in such a like hustle society now that it's almost discouraged to take a day off. And like, sometimes you just need a day where like you don't speak to anybody. Um, mm. So I would say that obviously it's different for everyone in terms of finding techniques to kind of combat that but I would definitely recommend like gratitudes and the way that you treat you treat yourself and speak to yourself and taking note of like the thoughts that you're actually thinking um because it can be so like it can be so damaging but also so beneficial at the same time like if you made a good lunch today then be like I did a good job like don't <laughs> be calling yourself Gordon Ramsay but like you know like give yourself the credit and I think that sometimes we can forget to do that um yeah. especially in a sporting world like coaches are no different that there's they're always looking for better like my my athletes did great today but like what can we do now you know and I think that as a sport like that's important to have as an athlete and a coach but sometimes like just take the time to celebrate what you've achieved you know 
yeah i think that's, that's really important um finally that's the, the final thing on my list actually we've, we've rocketed through our our conversation <laughs> which means the conversation flowed quite well um finally you know at the time of recording uh we're in the middle of another lockdown in the uk um and hopefully now we're moving towards returning mm-hmm. to to a more normal life at some point uh, this year and we're looking forward to hopefully you know, unlocking some of these restrictions what should people be aware with with regards to you know looking after themselves as we're returning to maybe returning back to, to training or just returning back to slightly more normal life because we've spent so long out of mm. normality so what do we need to be looking out for with this I actually had a conversation about this with my friend the other day that I think that it's going to be we were just discussing that we think it's going to be a big shock to our systems actually meeting with people in the flesh um and I think that it's definitely important to maybe take an easy way back in you know like after after I'm going to put it in a swimming context because that's just what I do um and it's quite handy that it's a swimming podcast so (laughs) um so if you were like if you had like your break at the end of the season and then you went back to training you wouldn't just go back into like threshold sets and like absolutely killing yourself you would ease back into it so I think that it's important to do that when we do hopefully eventually return to some sort of normality is like ease back into it don't be like filling up your diary with like I'm gonna meet I'm gonna meet Bob on this time and then I've got I've got then I've got John and then I've got so and so like just kind of ease back into it and I think that you know it's okay to be a bit overwhelmed by that because it's been a massive adaptation to actually get used to sitting in front of a computer all day and like being on zoom calls all day you know um and I think it'll take people quite a while to adjust back to reality I guess of the real world but um I think just allow yourself the time you know like don't rush it there's no need to rush anything um and yeah I think that it'll be so important to kind of just ease into things because I think that especially in the sporting world it can be very much like yes we can race again like you know and it's like yes when can we train when can we do this but I think just easing in um, I actually I think the best way that I can relate to this is I had glandular fever in 2019 and so when I came back I was like yes I can train again like I'm in the pool um, and before I knew it I was burnt out again yeah. um, because I just rushed back um, and I got tonsillitis because my immune system was just like nah um, so I think like just ease back in and that's okay like there's no rush um, and in the grand scheme of things, like just enjoy being back in the pool. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I like the one thing, the first two times uh, my swimmers returned uh, to, to the pool and we've got, to, we've got to do another return soon. But the first two times, you know, my first few weeks of training was all about just enjoying being mm. back in the water because it's been so long for a lot of these guys since they've been in the water. So like just enjoying the feeling of being in the water yeah. and getting connected with it again, I think is really important. Yeah. I think one of the first things that I will do is put my snorkel on and just skull and like keep my head in and just look at the tiles. I just think that, that yeah. sounds so sad, <laughs> but I will just be like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So we're kind of at the, at the summary section now for, 
for, for the episode. And we always ask our guests to kind of sum up their their topic in, in, in three kind of key points. So what would be your top three tips, Sophie, for, for looking after mental health? I think I think that number one, I would say acknowledge your thoughts and be aware of your thoughts um, and treat yourself nicely um, would be my first point. I think my second one, I would definitely say that just it's okay to not like I so it's so cliche and everybody says it but it is okay not to be okay like everybody has a bad day um like the other day I had a bad day doesn't mean I'm like back going going to be back on antidepressants anytime soon but like it's okay to have a bad day and I think that that's something that I've massively learned and I think my third point is that just remember that everyone's human um yeah. and whether that's as a swimmer treating their teammates or whether that's a swimmer treating their coach or whether that's a coach treating their swimmers or a coach teaching treating their fellow coaches like everybody's human and like people have bad days you know yeah um and that's okay um but yeah that would be my three some sum up points excellent great so if people that have listened to this podcast and you know hopefully they've got got all the way to the end um hopefully they've, they've enjoyed the podcast <laughs> If they want to kind of find out more about what you and your company do, or if they want to, you know, potentially uh, look into some to some of the, the courses that, that that you run, where can they find out more information about about the work that you're doing? Yeah, so Instagram, Mental Health and Sports CIC, um, Facebook, Mental Health and Sports CIC, um, and then the website is mentalhealthandsportscic.com. Um, but usually, if you find the Instagram or the Facebook, then there's a link um, to that. But yeah cool great so you know i've thank you very much for your time you know i actually really enjoyed this this discussion um it's probably one of my favorite ones so far to record and i've done quite oh, a few podcasts you. already because I, I just think the conversation flowed nicely and it was a good little discussion topic and quite quite topical for where we're at at, at this point in time so thank you very much for for coming on and, and recording with me Thank um, you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I want to thank uh, I want to thank the listeners as well for for tuning in again. Um, hope you hope you enjoyed the episode and it's it's given you something to to think about as we move towards returning to the pool. Um, maybe you're going to try and book some of your coaches onto a mental health first aid course. Um, if you like this podcast and you'd like some of the other ones we've done as well, um, why not share them within your coaching network? Um, also. Um, stay connected with us we're on twitter facebook and instagram all at the poolside pass and of course our website www.thepoolsidepass.com and until next time take care <laughs>